As we come to this last message in Pete's prayer, I was kind of struck by, he, he said Mark's last message. I don't know if he knows something I don't know, but this is just the last message on Daniel. Um, <laughs> We're going to be with Brian Chapel next week at Winter Grace. We're then going to do a series on giving, the sacrificial life, and then we're going to move into the Sermon on the Mount, which will be with us for many, many weeks. I'm excited about that. But here we are in the last chapter of Daniel. And I don't know when in my life I'll preach the whole book of Daniel again, but it's been a very rich and rewarding journey for me. Some people have said, I don't know if I relate to Daniel. He just seemed like he was perfect. Well, first of all, he wasn't. Christ is the only perfect man. But Daniel's humanity comes to bear in these last pages because he's confused and he's seeking clarity and God gives him clarity, but it's not necessarily the clarity that he was looking for, but it's what God wanted to give. You can relate to him here, I promise. Let's stand. Daniel chapter 12, I'm going to begin at verse 4 and read through the end of the book at chapter, or verse 13. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood, one on the, this bank and of, of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time times and a half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from, that from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please, please be seated. Daniel was given in this last vision, it started earlier in the book, a vision of reality that things are going to get worse. But he was also given a promise of real hope, resurrection hope. That's why we relate so much to this book because we sense this evil that comes against us. We sense the evil that's attacking within us. We see as Pete prayed news that is shocking, sometimes more so than others. On January 7th in Hobbs, New Mexico, 
The 911 dispatcher received a call where the caller said, we just found a baby in the trash. This is just a little over two weeks ago. In the background, you hear a woman saying, it's freezing cold and very, very, very weak. An 18-year-old woman named Alexis Avila gave birth that day and put her child in a trash bag filled with trash and then in another bag. And then the security cameras that she didn't know were present on the back of a store of a retail shop showed the horrific image of her throwing her newborn in the trash and driving off in her white Jetta. It's really rough to see and it's really rough to hear. The police responded and the baby was alive and as far as I know is still alive in Lubbock, Texas. The mother's name, the child wasn't named. How does that happen? Her own words say, I did not know I was pregnant until the day before when I began to have stomach pains and I panicked. We all panic. And when we panic, we end up most of the time doing in that moment whatever makes most sense to us. And what made most sense to her was to do what she did. If she had known she was pregnant months and in some states, even weeks before she gave birth, she could have had an abortion and there would be no charges against her. Now she's being, a ch being charged with attempted murder. She also, in New Mexico, could have actually given birth to the child in up to 90 days. She could have taken that child to the fire department, a police station, or a hospital, and left the child and walked away, and there would be nothing brought against her. But in that moment, she did what made sense to her. How can that make sense to someone? Well, it, it can make sense in so many ways because of how sin entered the world and how evil sin is. Cain and Abel, a brother murders his brother. To this day, brothers murder brothers. To this day, all types of evil come against mankind. Slavery, racism, prejudice, judging others, hatred because of skin color, hatred because of a nationality, hatred all over the world, nations at war against nations, husbands at war with wives, children at war with parents, members of churches enraged with one another, the condition of sin is so real and so dark and so evil that over time, if we're not careful, we, we minimize the reality of that and we become comfortable with certain sins. My wife sent me a text yesterday, a quote from Spurgeon, and it simply said, I fear people don't see the gross darkness 
of a complaining spirit. And my wife, who self-admittedly would say, I'm prone to complain, simply text, what am I supposed to do with this? And there were a few frowning faces. And I wrote back to her, it sounds to me like you're complaining. <laughs> was that the right thing to do? I think it was. Because we want to take sin seriously as a couple. And we know what it's like, even as husband and wife, the union that we have to wage war against others, to say things that we could never imagine saying. This sin and the way it's impacted mankind and the way we can treat others in sins of commission, committing things against those that we should love and care for, including our enemies, but also sins of omission. When we sit by on the sidelines, when we're passive, when we think the issues are too big, and that is not what God calls us to. That is not what God has given us. Friends, all of God's word speaks to these things and points us to the only remedy, which is a person, Jesus Christ. Daniel speaks of the kinds of evil that I'm mentioning now. And as he hears from God, from the angels, he's told that it's going to get worse and worse. The reality of that is given to him in a vision. But there's also real hope. Daniel's an interesting book because so many times we focus on the early chapters. And then when it gets to these kind of visions that are hard to understand, we, we just distance ourselves from them. Truth is, it's all God's word. And God's word, we're told, is useful, all of it, because it's all God breathed, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That means when we see this, there are things in our life that need to be rebuked and corrected. There's training for us right here in these final 13 verses that can change our lives. So what I would like to do this morning, I wanna give you a billboard is I would talk, like to speak for a moment about the wicked and the wise. Secondly, I'd like to look at the two questions that are asked, how long, and essentially how. And lastly, I wanna close by speaking about rest and rising. When we see the wicked and the wise in verse 10, look with me there, it seems a little shocking. It says, many shall purify themselves. And here, Daniel is learning about the righteous. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. It's God's people going through the purification process of real trials, real tribulation. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. Now, when we hear about the wicked, we tend to think of the opposite of the wicked as the righteous. But that's not the word that's used here to describe God's people. It says, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. This is an amazing promise that God is going to give his people the understanding that they need, the wisdom that they need. To understand this more fully, and this is why I included verse four in this reading. Go there with me. 
To understand it more clearly, Daniel hears this. You, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. It's easy to skip over this, but it's important. This phrase, to and fro, is a Hebrew idiom. It is a reference to the book of Amos, the prophet Amos, chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Listen to this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now listen to this. This is the to and fro. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. This does not mean the word isn't there. It does not mean the word isn't present. It means that they don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so this Hebrew idiom presents a frantic yet futile search for truth. And they don't see it. James Montgomery Boyce, in his great commentary on Daniel, says this about knowledge, about wisdom, about understanding, which the people of God will have. He says, there are few things more characteristic of our age than this. At no time in the history of the world have more things been known by more people. Think about that. Think about what you could learn about today just by typing in a word. But what he wrote about at no time in the history of the world have more things been known by more people, well, this was written before the internet. This was written over 35 years ago. And then he writes, though so many are exposed to so much, yet at no time like the present, have people seemed more to lack understanding? A lot of knowledge, but a lot of fools. Millions do not even know who they are, let alone why they are and what they are doing. It's so true. Because of who we are in Christ, the most important thing that we've been taught is our identity. And that's what Daniel is receiving. Daniel is concerned about the evil that he sees. He's actually confused. He's confused about why is it so hard? The people of God have been able to return to their land, but it's so hard. These battles continue to rage. And so he begins to ask questions. And it's okay for us to ask questions. True wisdom, as we are talking about the, the wicked and the wise, true wisdom of what it means to live in a broken world, which is what Daniel is all about and what he's going to receive, is central to the two questions that are asked in this very interesting vision that takes place along the river. Look with me at verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one of, on that bank of the stream. 
And someone said, so here's the first question. Someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And then Daniel is going to ask his question. It says in verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? These two questions together essentially are answering, how long will it be? And how, how am I to live in the midst of waiting? Well, when we look at how long, we need to focus in on two rails, mercy and mystery. How long will it be? Ian Duguid in his great commentary on Daniel, and if you wanna go deeper and get into stuff that we can't always get into on a Sunday morning, I would encourage any of these commentaries. But this is what he says about the how long. And you're gonna see that it still exists in mystery. But I think this is helpful. The answer to the question how long has two parts. It will be for a time, times and a half a time. And then it goes on to say, and it will be for 1,290 days. He writes, broadly speaking, both of these terms can be used to describe periods that are around three and a half years. What is more significant here, however, is the different terms that are used to describe the same time span. Three and a half times focuses on this period as half of seven, half of seven times, which would be a complete period of judgment. What that means is, here, even in this mystery, we see that there's mercy, that God is going to put a limit on the tribulations. He's going to put a limit on the trials. He's going to give us the mercy that we need. In contrast to such a complete period of judgment, this period of trials is limited, cut short in its length. Meanwhile, 1,290 days focuses on the precision, precision which with the period is measured. It is not just a vague period of judgment, but one that is predetermined by God down to the very day when it will end. A third note is sounded by the inclusion of the additional figure of 1,335 days which adds 45 days, if you're counting, to the original 1,290 period, day period. And what it does is it tells us that the saints will need to persevere all the way to the end of this longer period. Duguid writes this, and this will not satisfy many of you. The inclusion of this number seems designed to heighten the sense of mystery that surrounds the Lord's timing and the need for faithful perseverance on the part of the saints, even when according to human wisdom, God's arrival seems to be overdue. Though the time for God to complete his work may seem to have come, his people will still have to wait patiently for the end. What Daniel hears from the Lord is that there's still mystery. 
There is mercy. There will be a limit. There will be a limit, and the God of all will be present with his people. But there's still going to be mystery. In other words, Daniel, the time and the specifics of that time, it's none of your business. And if it's not any of Daniel's business, it's not any of ours either. It doesn't mean you can't think about it. It doesn't mean you can't read books about it. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be a mystery, and it's not going to be that clear. So what does God do? He makes his calling very clear. The calling is clear, and the future is settled. That's what Daniel is given. So let's look at these two words, rest and rise. Daniel hears to the question essentially that he's asking, how? He hears twice, Daniel, go your way. The first is in verse 9. Look with me there. He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed into the time of the end. It's a way of affirming that this is God's word. These are God's word. This is what you need to know now. It's sealed. And then again in verse 12 or 13, sorry. But go your way till the end. What Daniel is hearing is that he is to be obedient just as he has been all the way to the end. But what's really interesting is there's two different meanings to end. The very last verse it says, but go your way till the end, and that means the end of his life. Continue to be faithful, and remember he's well into his late 80s at this point. He's not a young man. He was when he went to Babylon, but not anymore. Go your way to the end, to the end of your life. Remember what we heard just a couple of weeks ago. Stand firm, take action all the way to the end. And then it says, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. This is so full. Here, the end is about the end of time. And what Daniel was told is to continue to go. And then you will rest. In our liturgy, in the public confession of sin, we confessed about being restless. This side of heaven, as we experience the evil that's all around us, that comes at us, even from us, there can be a restlessness. And when we get restless, if we don't pay attention to it and surrender it to the Lord, before long, we can be moving into panic. And if we're moving into panic, we can begin to do things that make sense to us, but they shouldn't because we're in Christ. So in the midst of this, what we do is we take the word rest and we remember the first rest is actually resting in God's promises, resting in his son alone, resting and receiving Jesus alone for our salvation. So that rest is not just something that's future. It begins now. It's when we come to saving faith in Christ and it's when we daily continue to rest in him, surrendering all of ourselves to him. But it also speaks of the eternal rest, where one day, if you're in Christ, you will never cry again. 
You will never hear a horrible story like I started this sermon with again. You will never hunger or thirst or be tempted. You will never struggle. You will never have to say, I'm sorry, or I should have ever again for all eternity. You will be in perfect rest. But what Daniel hears is not just about rest. It says that you shall rest and shall stand. The word is rise. You shall rest and you shall rise. Rise in your allotted place at the end of your days. The word allotted, it's an amazing word. It is used in Joshua 14 through 21, I believe 25 times, speaking specifically about the people of God having their allotted turf, their allotted town. You who are in Christ, you and I will rest forever. And we will rest and then rise and stand with resurrected bodies. That's last Sunday. Go listen to it and watch the whole service. It was glorious. Rest and you will rise with resurrected bodies in an allotted place. Jesus says so. He speaks of the mansions. He speaks of the place. And so does the Apostle Paul. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, In him, that's Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, our allotment, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glorious grace. This side of heaven, all hell can be thrown against us. Del Ralph Davis, in looking at the numbers of 1,290 and 1,335 says this, the most notable characteristic of the number is that 1,335 is larger than 1,290. I like Del Ralph Davis. What does it mean that those who made it to 1,335 persevered through 1,290? And all who are in Christ truly in Christ will persevere. And only those who are truly in Christ will persevere. And we will persevere because of God, because of his faithfulness, because of his seal kept by the Holy Spirit. And so Del Ralph Davis ends his commentary saying this, God has a people who will make it. God has a people who will make it in spite of everything that is thrown at them. Hallelujah indeed, brother. Everything that's thrown at you, if you were truly in Christ, you're gonna make it. We win. That's the message of Daniel. But let me please close with this. As horrific as the story was that I started this sermon with, the greatest evil 
mankind ever committed against another man was when the people created by Christ killed him. His death on the cross is why we can have confidence that the victory is ours in Jesus. It's why this side of heaven we can receive the real vision that it's likely going to get worse. But we have a real hope, a resurrection hope that is in the person who said, not my will, Father, but yours. Who then later would say from the cross, it is finished. Who would then ascend to heaven, reign as our king until the end when the Father sends him to descend to this earth. For all who are in Christ, we will then be full in his glory, souls and resurrected bodies. If you aren't sure you are part of that body, the body of Christ, may today be the day you would trust, rest, in Jesus alone for salvation. As I close this in prayer, simply pray, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me. If that prayer is offered from you today to the living God, tell me or somebody that you came with, somebody around you that looks like they believe these things. Tell someone. If you are in Christ already, when we sing this closing hymn, think about the promise of what you already have in Christ and what you one day will know full and give God praise. Lord Jesus, only you could make us wise. Only you could open our eyes to see and ears to hear. Only you could satisfy us with answers to questions that sometimes will remain a mystery but the things we must know and need to know are clear. And only you could promise a rest that begins now, but will last for all eternity. And you are the one who promised this space. Father, if there are some in our body watching, listening, who know they know you, and there's many, give us the opportunity to praise you. For those who might be watching who are present who don't know you, May this be the hour of their profession of faith. Pray that prayer, friend. Jesus, forgive me. Save me from my sins. You're my Lord and my Savior. We love you, Jesus, and pray this in your holy name. Amen.